Good morning, afternoon or evening listeners. You'll probably be listening to this after Christmas, so I hope you have recovered from turkey and mince pie coma. Today we are going to talk about memory with Anastasia Woolmer, who has twice been Australian memory champion. I can't even imagine how you become a memory champion because everyone tells me I have a remarkable memory (laughs) and I have no idea how my memory works. So without further ado, let's find out how our memory works and how to improve it. I'm here today with David Olney. How are you, David? Very well. Thank you, Tim. And today we don't have pink coffee. I know. We have Saeed coffee from Handsome and the Duchess. So a shout out to a man who makes amazing coffee, but is too far away for me to get on a normal podcast day. And on the 23rd, I mean, I probably shouldn't date this, but on a day that maybe not many places are open. So thank you. Will at BCS. Where are you, man? (laughs) But do you remember his name? Yes. David does. <laughs> and without further ado as well, thank you for joining us, Anastasia Walmer. Walmer, sorry. Walmer. Oh, my God. That's right. That's how terrible was my memory because it's 20 seconds ago. So. You've got to think about wool and then it going mer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, there's a, there's a technique. What's that called? Um, Association? Y- yes. And mnemonic? Is that mnemonic. Yes. Mnemonic. mnemonic. That devices. was a mnemonic. Yeah, mnemonic yes. device. That's in. Okay. So you've got a great memory naturally. Me? Yeah. Do you think that's something you've built up through necessity? or Absolutely. Is it, yeah. And I'll give you an example because you might be able to explain where it came from of mm. all the technology I have now, like my phone, my watch, all that stuff. Of course, none of that came along until uh, screen reading software got good in 1997. Mm-hmm. Till then it was techno fraud. Mm. So I did my entire undergrad degree with family reading to me and my guitar students reading to me. Mm. So I had 16-year-old metalheads reading Nietzsche to me. <laughs> which made them into much better little metalheads. Yeah. <laughs> but what I meant is I was hearing things once and remembering them well enough to be able to quote them well enough, you know, to get away with mm. it mm. in essay. So 1997 comes along, I get adaptive technology. I'm then able to scan a book. So scan it into the computer, turn it into a Word doc, have it read to me by an overeducated Dalek. <laughs> so I was trying to remember like I used to try and remember when people were reading to me. Mm. And my poor little brain hit overload. Mm. And the fascinating thing my brain uses to go, David, stop trying to remember everything. All you need to remember now is which file on the computer you want to read again. <laughs> is I forget how to use a dessert spoon properly. Oh, right. <laughs> I forget how to you know, hold it with three fingers and I have to eat ice cream or cereal with baby grip on the dessert spoon for a couple of hours until I get my memory back. <laughs> So my memory is a complete and utter mystery and the whole thing of why it affected the dessert spoon makes sense because food is massively important to me. Mm. A mystery to you, mm. perhaps. Uh, I'm hoping maybe you can unpack this a little bit or is maybe that too much to expect? Is David too weird? Wow. I'm too weird, I know this. That is pretty special. but um, No, I think for a lot of us, because we don't need to rely on our memories and we can outsource a lot of it these days especially, we we, we don't exercise our memory and as a result of that it, it, it gets worse. So, you know, it declines and then we actually, when we have to use it, we, we don't have it there. Whereas you've built up a good memory from the fact that you often need to remember things. Mm. So I remember it the first time mm. or until the technology came along, it was like, well, if I have to bug someone again, I'm going to seem like I didn't listen mm. the first time and that's rude. Yeah. Which was probably not a very sensitive, or oh, sorry, sensible standard to hold myself to. Yeah. It was probably a rather painful standard to hold myself to. So there's two things that there's two things that really help 
anyone's memory and you you do both of them so that the first thing is is trying so not being lazy and going oh I won't try and remember this so you, you know the first thing is you, you're going to try and remember it and then the second one is is that you focus on it so you don't just instantly think I'm going to forget this I'm not even going to try which is what a lot of people do so mm. they'll hear something new and they sort of think I've got a terrible memory so I'm not I'm not going to try and remember it whereas when you have to then you put a little bit more effort in and mm. you let you you know you work out your own strategies in yeah. a way. and the mm. big thing i think is important too is obviously in memory competition you have to remember absolute detail right right i think to make things work and fit i only remember the essence of things because i was doing a heap of reading today and half was your blog and half was articles about blind people and memory mm-hmm. And I now can't remember if it was you because I, I did so much in two hours. Mm. It's a blur where it came <laughs> from. But it was three words, the middle one being it was like fire, cigar and something. Mm-hmm. And what they're arguing is that blind people would either remember, you know, one, two or three of the words but not create a word out of them. Mm-hmm. Where sighted people would build a picture. Right. And because they had the picture, they might end up using a different word than the three words that were there originally. So I normally only remember the essence Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird that I was trying to remember the three words, but I failed. The only one that stuck was cigar for sure. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But it's, it is interesting because, um, you know, when I first started training my memory to, to compete in these competitions, I I had a really very average memory. I've always loved learning and trying to extend my knowledge in a lot of different areas. And I, if I wanted to learn something formally, I would just kind of write it out a lot of times or, you know, watch the lecture a few times and do all that rote boring learning that sort of kills the joy of what you're actually learning Mm. (laughs) and then you know I stumbled across these techniques and you know there were these fantastic claims about how memory athletes from around the world who had started with average memories could train themselves up to remember ridiculous amounts of information and I thought well you know I might just give that a little go because it just sounds too exciting if it happened to be true and it turns out that it you know it's true that our brains are capable of you know, rewiring to a certain extent and and that they have some neuroplasticity in them so that you can actually improve how quickly you can remember things, not only in a natural sense, but also through strategies. So your natural memory when you're not trying can be improved, but also there's a lot of strategies to actually remember things by applying them, which, which poets, you know, thousands of years ago used to remember large books and, you know, entertain the masses with before television. Yeah, and I guess that's the interesting thing. If it was a, a pre-writing society, I don't know what the word for that is. <laughs> There's probably a word for pre-written society. But I guess part of telling the story was you remembered the visuals or the the arc of it you had created last time, right. which reinforced getting it right next time. Mm. So each time you r- remember something, you know, you pull out a memory by pulling it out and using it again, you kind of double down on it being there. Is that essentially how it works? Yeah, that's true. You're doing a revision of it. Yeah. But but every time you review a memory, it can also change a little bit. Yeah, there's Which, you know, literature about the fact that whatever emotional state mm. you're in, when you bring it back mm. up. Mm. So if something wasn't massively positive, but each time you bring it up, you've added to positivity, eventually right. you remember the event as being very positive. Awesome. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah, <laughs> I like this idea. <laughs> yeah, no, but it can be used for a lot of beneficial learning and especially, you know, I think about kids who might be struggling at school or, you know, university students or even mature age students who might go back and try to learn something and it's just, you know, the message is, is that, you know, they're not, you're not stuck with the, the memory that you've been born with. It's actually something that is malleable that 
you can change. When did you start you know, crashing into the memory techniques? Well, still at uni or once you were at work and work was too repetitive? No, or? so I was at work. So I'd finished uni. So I did uni without the aid of memory techniques, which was a little challenging because I used to be a professional ballerina. So I left school when I was 15 and then didn't have a lot of schooling to rely on when I went to uni. Yeah. Being a bit of a bit of a square, I did work rather hard at university. So that was fine. I did quite well, but it was a ridiculous amount of work. And as a result of that, had some really good job offers, but never quite felt that I came across as quick as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, couldn't quite pick things up as quickly as I liked when I came across something exciting or interesting to me. And then my husband bought me a book, which was Moonwalking with Einstein. Oh, Joshua Fowler's yeah. book. That's a great book. And I said, what are you doing buying me another book? Because I just eat books and I mm. should just get them electronically. But I read it all the same and went, oh, this sounds exciting. Because he writes, you know, it's a really yeah, entertaining time. T- yeah, it's, it's well delivered and it sort of gets you excited and interested in it. And then from there, I just researched I essentially researched all the athletes, so all their blogs and – because there's a lot of free information out there, but I was very conscious of not wanting to go down like a gimmicky street where you're suddenly – someone's trying to sell you brain pills or something. (laughs) I wanted to make sure I was sticking with the science that worked. So I did a lot of research and then just started training myself. And then five months later, won the Australian Memory Championship. Wow. So So, fast turnaround. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That's that obsessive ballerina thing, though. I was going to say, this is something, (laughs) again, me being an ex-guitarist and violinist, people who've got one thing that is very process-driven first Mm. can change direction successfully Mm. because the one thing they know is find the new processes. Find the process, yeah. Yeah. If you've got one set of processes, mm. you know what you need is the new set. Until That's you have true. a new set, you won't really try and do it properly because you know it's with process that you get success. Mm. So the minute you said you're a ballerina first, you know, listeners, I just smiled immediately going, <laughs> yeah, no wonder Anastasia ended up being Australian champion twice because that kind of physical painful discipline mm. – yeah, you know, and violin was much the same. You play violin, you're constantly in pain by the nature of how you have to wrap around the instrument. Mm. So if you're willing to have a process with that much pain mm. and you can reapply process with less pain, of course you're going to do well. Yeah, but it's exciting. I, yeah. I, I think it's exciting because it means that, you know, you can go from having an average memory to a brilliant one. And, yeah. you know, people mistakenly, you know, think that I'm a genius sometimes because I can remember a page of numbers in 20 minutes. Or, wow. But that's exciting. And so when I coach actors and to remember their lines or medical students, you know, it's it's awesome. It's, when they come away and say, oh, my God, I can't believe how quickly I learned that, It's it makes you feel great. Mm. An interesting thing I crashed into today and I'd never thought of it before because, you know, I read the literature on memory palaces and tried giving it a go. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, until – well, at the time I started primary school, I had about 5% vision – Mm. And they decided to stick me in the large print world, which mm-hmm. meant I trashed the vision I had by the end of year 12. Mm. But I've got, you know, visual memory. Mm. So when I read all the stuff about memory palaces, I went, okay, I can have a go at one of these. Mm. I can use physical places and use the imagery of it to enhance my memory further. Now, I'm not sure why I wanted to enhance my memory further. <laughs> other than that, I'm always pushing somehow. It, yeah, I get bad. bored otherwise. Mm. And I found by trying to push it further with memory palace, it just didn't work. Mm. And then today crashed into a fascinating idea, this idea of aphantasia, the idea that you don't visualise things in your memory. Mm. You you have them in your head in a different way. And then I realised, oh, yeah, I don't think of what anything looks like anymore. Mm. I think of the words that describe it, the texture of it, the temperature of it, right. the taste or smell of it. Right. I thought, ah, oh, 
maybe I can have another go at memory palaces now using the description of the space. That's correct. And the other senses. Mm, Yeah, so so there is a small portion of, you know, of the population who have that. And it is, for for the vast majority of us, learning memory techniques means trying to visualise the information and sometimes putting it in a memory palace. Memory palace is just one part of that, but... Mm. For a lot of us, that vastly improves our ability to recall information. But there's other ways you can also do that, and I, I sometimes use them as well, to be honest. So so an example would be, you know, where if, if I was trying to start someone off and teach them how to use the techniques, you normally start with a simple shopping list to try and show them how you'd use them. And for, you know, for someone who doesn't have that way of visualising, who actually visualises pictures, mm. you know, you'd say, so visualise an apple and then, you know, you're smashing feta cheese into it and, you know, mm. you go about it like that. But what I do myself and what, what some people what some people do, you know, when, when they have a slightly different brain, thinks a little bit differently, is you can use, you know, how an apple tastes or how does it mm. smell or, you know, the difference when you bite into an apple and you get one that's maybe flowery versus crisp and sharp. Mm. So you could still you can still use the memory techniques. You just are visualizing not in an image, but in a feeling or in a taste. So you're somehow sensorializing Sen- yeah, it beyond exactly. vision. Yeah, and yeah. so and also for a memory palette, the same thing applies. So instead of you know visualizing, here's the door handle, and on top of it, I'm placing an apple. I'm sorry mm. if this is strange to people who don't know what a memory palette is. Just read about it, and then you'll. Yeah, because we can't explain yeah. everything that we'll be here for a zillion hours. So, but instead of um, yeah, instead of sort of there's the door handle, I see it, it's shiny, and I place an apple on top. You would go, I feel the door handle, and it's slippery, and it's a metal. I feel it feels like a cheap metal, mm. and then on top of that, something sticky is there, and then you you pick your hand off and you smell it, and you smell apple. Mm. So it's the same sort of technique in terms of you're visualizing a story, but you're just using different senses. And that seems a critical thing of so many of the memory techniques is to mm. create a narrative. You know, a story, we, yeah. Again, mm. we started off on this in a sense with you know the ancient poets memorizing huge stories and reciting huge stories, mm. and you know that seems to be where the modern memory athletes go back to as the starting point of mm-hmm. aha. That's sort of the leaping point. I think it's Ed Cook's book, Remember, Remember. Yeah, he starts by talking about. Uh, you know, an ancient dinner in a, a palace or something, and there was an earthquake. It fell That's down, correct, yeah. and someone remembered where all Cicero, everyone, oh, yeah. Cicero, yeah. where everyone had been sitting <laughs> at the feast. Yeah. That's yeah. right, and that's a, so, and that's the you know that's the very first memory palace. They mm. realised that you know there's an earthquake, and you know, and then afterwards they're saying, well, who's escaped? You know, what's what's wrong here? And you can go around and visualise, well, who who was sitting where, mm. and so they know where to look for these for these people. And then, well, what about if you attach other things in a in mm. a story or in a location? Yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting though when you start delving into how the human brain actually works and how we're all just a little bit different as well. And that's part of that process of, you know, how does my own brain function and how do I best learn and understand things? Do you memorise things better when you're moving because of your ballet background? I definitely use movement in my memory techniques. So okay. so if I was memorising a speech or something, I would definitely walk around and the action of, you know, if I open my arm and uh, I'm talking about something and, and move to the left, I would do that every time I, uh, I say that. Yeah. So yeah. because that but then becomes, you know, if you have a blank, you kind of open your arm to the left yeah. and you know what happens. But I also use it when I'm remembering a list of new information. So I find that images, if they're static, 
they're not as easily remembered than if they move. So, Mm. you know, so to go back to an apple, you know, if there was an apple on top of this door handle, you know, you don't just see it sitting there statically. It's sort of tumbling off and you go, oh, no, it's getting bruised. And Mm. you hear it go thud, thud, thud. Um, Or for yourself, you know, you might, you know, go to touch the door handle and it slips off. Yeah, and you hear the apple drop. And you hear the apple drop and you hear the sounds of the, the extra juice squelching under your foot. Because mm, so you trod on the apple, which is even more apple. bad. Yeah, that's correct. So, so, so I certainly think that um, I, I certainly encourage you to try out these memory techniques and memory palaces, but just use the senses that are the most mm. dominant for you and link them together in a story. So, I still use all the same steps. Yeah, because yeah. I think that was part of my problem is I don't need my memory to be any better. It would just be fun for it to be better. Oh yeah. So I read definitely. the books, thought, yeah, what can I do with this? Blah blah blah. So I didn't really think how to modify it. Yeah. And I, I think particularly like you know for me Ed Cook's book. Because yeah, Ed Cook seems like such a lovely eccentric dude. Yeah. It was like <laughs> a well, lot of them are. <laughs> well, if Ed did it that way, I want to do it like Ed because Ed's weird <laughs> in a nice way. You need to come to a memory competition because then you'll meet lots of them. <laughs> hey, we could always go along and do a live podcast for a memory memory competition. <laughs> oh, that could that'd be, be a great idea. That could be a wild day. That'd be awesome. Is there ever going to be one in Adelaide? Uh, did you hear that big R? Yeah. Possibly, but um, <laughs> <laughs> there'd definitely be one in Australia. That would be fun. We'll yeah. have to try and see if we could do something. Because like, it would be really interesting to go – because one of the things I loved about all the books, I think the only book I've read on this where the person isn't kind of a wonderful eccentric <laughs> is Lynn Kelly, who I think was a oh, journalist yeah, Lynn first. Kelly. And yeah. I think the thing in Lynn Kelly's book that I just absolutely loved was uh, two Indigenous examples mm-hmm. where some naturalists were looking for this tiny bat <laughs> in the middle of a desert. <laughs> Yeah. Is this her latest book? No, it was the first one. Oh, okay. Um, the, memory the Memory Code. code. Yeah. Oh, I've got the second one as an audio book, but I haven't read it yet. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's like, you know, she, they went and talked to some of the Indigenous people and the older said, yeah, look, we reckon if we went out there, <laughs> we could probably remember. It's like, look, we just need to go over here and, and do a bit of a song and a dance <laughs> to get the memory back. Yeah. And yeah. It's quite interesting though. Uh, You know, she's a friend of mine, so I've I've spoken to her um, in depth about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's – it's certainly an eclectic group of people who get into memory yeah. sports. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the second Indigenous example I think was even more amazing that when they were trying to map Port Phillip Bay before you know, they could do sonar and stuff, mm. so they talked to some of the Indigenous people around the bay and they worked out that their song about the bay mm. that they'd remembered perfectly mm. was at least 10,000 years old. Right, right. Because it remembered the bay as a grassland. Mm-hmm. And the edge of the ocean being, you know, way out in, in where the deep water would be now. Well, a song is a, a form of mnemonic yeah, technique, precisely. obviously, you know, because yeah. it makes it – it's basically change boring information into exciting into information, yeah. into fun, you know. Yeah. So learning should be fun. Like, um, to me, learning is fun, but it can be even more, more fun. fun. <laughs> it can be even more fun if you change it into fun imagery or song or whatever, whatever works for you. Which is why when you said about memory palaces to me um, early, pre- previously before this um, – before I was speaking today, I thought, oh, I, I definitely think you could use memory techniques though mm. because it's it's about, you know, the sense, it's all about your senses and stories. So mm, It's just changing gear. Like mm. I said, it was because I'd read Ed's book. was like, Ed's cool. <laughs> Want to be weird like Ed. Well, you've got to get Ed on here then. <laughs> I don't know. Does Ed talk to people in other, in other countries? I'm sure. I'm sure they'd all have to talk to you. You could do a whole memory series, but, uh, you know. That, that could be fun. It could be, you know, new eccentrics oh, with I better can, memories than me. I can hook you up with a whole group of them. Okay, well, if, if this sounds like fun, <laughs> listeners, if you think this is fun, let us know. 
I am someone who relates to the mnemonic devices. I think of, uh, I'm just going to slightly go off track here because- The whole podcast is off track too. Well, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, because you, you guys have fantastic memories. I, I do not. Yeah, but you are typical of your generation. Oh. No, 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 let me finish. It's you haven't needed to- but the longer you've hung mm, around yeah. with yeah, me, yeah, the more your memories got better because you don't like it not being good. Yes, I so do. you've proven your own point. You can do it when you want to. Sort of. I've I've always had a good memory for numbers, and I think that's because I've been able to associate rhythm to mm-hmm. when I remember yeah, perfect, things. Yeah. So I can phone numbers. I can mm-hmm. remember five minutes after someone's told me. Yeah, but how yeah. many phone numbers have you had in your head at the most ever? Oh, right. So this, again, again, a good point because people will just put them straight into yeah. there. So, so again, you holding them for five minutes is actually a big deal. That's a, that's a great success by modern standards. These are phone numbers that are not important to me. These are phone numbers yeah, that I would yeah. get. just remember for, for a little next, bit. Yeah, short-term yeah. memory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, short-term. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so, what we do in training too. We, we do a lot of short-term learning on purpose yes. and then you, you yeah. discard it. And then the, the point. Mm. Yeah, I suppose so. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to remember the useless no, things that you do in training. I don't want to remember thousands of numbers forever. No, absolutely. See, that would be my problem with, I think, being a memory athlete. Mm. It's part of the thing because functioning in the world, being blind, takes so much energy. Mm. Something like using my memory just for fun, I'd go, no, I just haven't got the spare energy. I love the idea, but I need any win to be small energy and long-term return. Yeah, so for you it would yeah. be something that you want to learn. So yeah, if you precisely. want to learn French or, yeah. you know, it's, um, there's some, some goal that mm. you want to learn, then it's worth using the techniques because it's going to make it easier ah. and quicker. Speaking of language, the, the Pimsler technique. Pimsler technique. Oh, Pimsler's fascinating. Pimsler was a linguistics professor in the 60s mm-hmm. and Pimsler worked out, don't worry about trying to teach people how to read language. Or write it, get them speaking, speaking it. it yeah. And Pimsler worked out as your learning vocab how many times you need to say the word in the first five minutes, then in the next half hour, then in the next hour, then in the next 10 hours for it to stick. Mm-hmm. And the Pimsler, you know, well, they were originally on LPs, then audio tapes. Now you just stream it to the Pimsler app on your phone, are all designed so the exercises get enough repetition that for about 99% of people, by the time you finish the Pimsler language program, you'll have the language functional in your head. You know, the US government started paying Pimsler to train everyone in the State Department in about 1970 and they're still paying his organisation mm. today because it just works so good. So that thing of structured repetition mm. as just a basic that, technique. Uh, yeah, except that with – so with memory techniques – what you're trying to do is, you know, you still need structured repetition for long-term memory, mm. but you need less. So so an example would be, you know, if I wanted to learn 200 French verbs this afternoon, you know, I could do that in, an, you know, an hour or two, but then tomorrow I would have 99% retention and I'd still have to review them. Mm. But you'd have 99, which is awesome. But it, But you jump that whole, there's that whole first initial where, you know, the next day it would be normal to sort of, drop down to 30% or, you know, mm. because you've just learned them. So it just skips that first Which is a huge deal. Jump. If you can yeah, do that every it. day on all new information. Yeah. So that's really yeah. the thing. For general use for people, you can skip that first mm, bar day right. yeah. and already get to two good days. Mm. But so, then you still need to do the repetition. Yeah. And that's the bit where people sort of misunderstand that memory techniques are a gimmick in terms of, oh, you know, you learn this magic pill technique and then suddenly you have an Einstein-like brain. You know, mm. you, still have to, you still have to work. It's just that you're going to get there faster and with less, with less review. I always remember mm. people being massively impressed by Barry Jones. Right. You know, the former Labor, I think he was science minister under Hawke and Keating. You know, incredible memory. Mm. 
But what always struck me is he can remember just about anything, mm. but the analysis of it is no more than just a normal smart person. So mm. yes, the memory was right, outstanding, right, right, but the analysis yeah, yeah, had yeah, not increased. Mm. So people need to be very clear. Remembering more doesn't mean your analysis is going to be that's better. Correct. That's Whereas correct. if your analysis is reasonable mm. and you have more to work with in your head, mm. then your analysis might improve too. But that's why it's great. That's why it's great for those who might feel like they're good at and you know if you're already good at, good at analysis. You, yeah, and because um, yeah. I always felt. You know, when I was at uni, I always felt like, oh, when I actually get the information in, I'm actually really good at analysing data or something, but yeah. it's a matter of getting it in. You know, I felt like I was slower to... You just needed more input. Yeah, more input. So, so for someone, for people who feel like that's their sort of, their style of brain set, it's a really, it's a great thing because then you suddenly can have the input and then you can analyse it. Mm. Which yeah. sounds like our listeners, sounds like me. Yeah, <laughs> it's very much you. You're, you're very good at working with the stuff. So, so I want to so hear more about sh- this. More, drum, I, have, I, I want to hear more about this rhythm numbers <laughs> yeah, thing. Back to well, being I, a musician. I, I can <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, because it's obviously a music background. I think I just really, I get around rhythm, but I can never turn anything from short term into long term memory. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's my problem. But the thing that strikes me as kind of I, whether I don't get the connection is that you're talking about stories as if as a technique to remember things mm-hmm. but the things that I'm trying to remember are precisely how to tell stories and stories that I have listened to <laughs> <laughs> um, see the story so about the go, story you need yeah. to go to an art class <laughs> yeah yeah like okay, okay so yeah so to visualize it I don't know see I think in the case of numbers and in short-term memory mm. I definitely use rhythm and thing like things like that but it would be impossible for me to tell a story or to explain something with maybe something that rhythmically complex because it would just go for ages. So I think that it sounds to me like you're thinking about it too too deeply, too okay. analytically. And so it's more, like you say, it's almost like you have an essence. Mm. You know, David has mm. an essence of something and that's how he remembers yeah, it. Yeah, that's all I need. Yeah, so what I've, but what I've learned from practising these memory techniques is where I used to think it needs to be a very clear story and it's got to be very... Um, you know, I used to sort of go into too much depth about it. I've realised from lots of training that it's actually, you, you just need an essence of it, but you need to practice that. So for, you know, I don't know exactly what you're trying to remember, but for mm. something that has rhythm, you might see like paint getting splattered up and with with a certain, you know, I'd have to hear exactly what it was you Absolutely. were trying to learn. Yeah. But there's a way to, there's definitely a way to use, and maybe we can chat about it afterwards so, sure. so the listeners don't have to hear a, an hour-long ramble into how you'd go about remembering that. But yeah. I'm pretty sure that we could discuss that and work okay. out how you could. Because yeah. I've read what, it'd be more books than I've ever read in my life this year, mm-hmm. and in the last six months awesome. it would be. Uh, and it would be somewhere around the maybe... 10, 12 marks, something like that. Yeah, which for you is a massive increase in reading. um, (laughs) (laughs) Like I... After high school, I never read a single book. So, um, it and was then a big he got deal. to my class last year where the reading list for and the semester then. was, was two hundred and one <laughs> books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you learn to speed read? No, oh, no. I, no okay. okay. So I'm still not reading. I'm listening. All oh, right, um, right. See, I think there's something about you where when I read about this Aphantasia stuff today, mm. I know you look at everything, but you like using words. Mm. I wonder, you know, wonder whether it's yeah, you know, listening makes you focus on the bit that's more important. Yeah, Maybe, the words, yeah, yeah. rather than the shape of the words well, on the page. Also, the other thing that's a little bit interesting about that is I, I know in memory training, like memory athletes and myself in the beginning, 
the hardest disciplines are the ones where they're verbal. Mm -hmm. So the one that everyone freaks out about is it's spoken numbers. Mm -hmm. So we might be able to remember, you know, 500 numbers in 10 minutes, but if they're spoken numbers, so they're spoken at a one second interval, everyone will, it's, it's not uncommon to freak out. And so you get nine numbers. You've actually remembered 200, but you freaked freaked out out. at about number nine and that's where your score ends. Um, And it's something to do with when it's verbal information, you have to be a lot quicker, a lot more ready to absorb the information. You Mm -hmm. can't be like, yeah, you can't be lazy. You have to be ready to to absorb it. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I think that might be part of it. And I've purposely forced myself to do numbers training, spoken numbers training a lot. Awesome. So that I now hold the Australian record in it because it really is something that I think is a skill to be able to hear what people say and remember it, not just read it. Well, that feels important to me because Mm. of precisely these conversations and precisely the field that I'm going into as a professional is the point of asking questions, remembering what that person has just said to be able to remember where I want the interview to go, but then to be able to mm. adapt what they've just told me into a new question, things like that. Uh, so the conversational skills are yeah. what I would like to be better at. Telling stories is part of that. Also articulating those stories. And I'm not yeah. sure whether memory would have any effect on being able to articulate an idea better because you were saying, you know, you, you wish that when you told or you used to wish that when you told stories it was like a really clear mm. image or a really clear story to you but they they are often fuzzy or or you have just the essence mm. of them and then you're able to articulate so, them. but I think that you wouldn't be trying to describe your story you wouldn't be trying to describe your image sure you'd be trying to like you say yeah the right put, put yeah. the words together in the right way and yeah. understand what the interviewer is saying and Absolutely. leading it in the direction you want sure so certainly as you came across new words that you'd like to add to your Mm. vocabulary then you know that's where you're creating a little side image story to remember the word garrulous so i can throw in the word garrulous you know because i knew you would have read that one i was hoping you were going to throw that in there <laughs> Gary um, in a, a barrel a, with a louse that's it he's what, full, so you said he's loose, full of, of trivial conversation because he's got trivial yeah. pursuit in there yep uh, anyway, rolling down the barrel <laughs> and the barrel's full of trivial pursuit boxes oh good so did that work for you <laughs> well what worked is that you use words so nicely and having just read the stuff about our fantasia i'm like okay now i've understood that what i do is i'm not visualizing it mm-hmm. i'm yeah putting right, the right. Word, and it's something too when i was reading about our fantasia that was really interesting is a lot of people who can visualize things perfectly have to then convert from what they're seeing in their head mm. to describing it. Mm. The minute I have an idea, I can articulate it fully formed in that millisecond. Which is why you're so good verbally. It's yeah. the, you know that makes sense now because yeah. because I don't always feel you know I don't always feel articulate, and it's something that I actually work on. Whenever I come across a word I want to learn, I'm continuously trying to increase my vocabulary. But then you meet people like David who just have a natural, <laughs> you know, you, you naturally you can find the words you're looking for. You can mm. articulate them well. Everyone goes, "Wow, isn't he?" well spoken intimidatingly he's so, so, he's so yeah. intelligent which yeah. is fantastic you know yeah. but but for the rest of us plebs who want to who want to come across as though we're also <laughs> intelligent we yes. have to work on that skill but i agree with you i think that that might be partly the reason is because you are already yeah. quite verbal in your in your thinking like um, listeners to put it in context mum and dad have described to me at whatever age kids start talking i would literally lay there in my <laughs> little bed at night practicing 
whole sentences <laughs> for hours until I would just stop talking and fall unconscious. I love that. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. But that's obviously, it was already, I'd already worked out it was so damn important, the mm. not being able to see. I couldn't be the inarticulate little kid who couldn't ask for what they needed. Mm. Yeah. I had to be able to articulate, this is what I can't understand, or this is what in the environment is concerning me, and I need data now. <laughs> Give me data. How good is that? This conversation has restored a little bit, not restored, has (laughs) instilled a little bit extra faith in humanity in the sense that you apply this principle, you apply this information really charitably and you probably come to a realisation, I'm not sure if you share this, Anastasia, but everyone is intelligent. However, not everyone has the memory techniques in place to be able to express Mm. the ideas or the vocab it's a series and the things that they have learnt in, yeah. in an effective but way but the nice thing is is we can all grow you know we can yeah, all absolutely. grow towards yeah. you know that, that it, before I had university education I was a completely different person and now mm. you know and now after having memory techniques for three years it's it's different again we can all grow towards you know what our goals are and what you so know. you've been Australian champion twice in three years and the first female? The first yeah. female, yeah. yeah but I, I think really twice in three years, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so I when's did. the next one? Well, I, to be honest, I am really enjoying going to international competitions. Okay, so that's the, that's the thing now yeah, is to I go overseas. Of, I feel like I'm, you know, I've had that, I, I don't know, I have that title. I might do another Australian one, but I might actually host them because I want to encourage other people. Well, then we can sports. come and talk to strange people. Yeah, yeah, more awesome. strange people. Um, well, you're not strange. <laughs> really? You're really oh, entertaining. So <laughs> yeah, but uh, so I feel like, you know, I want to encourage other Australians into mental athletics because it's it's just so, it's so liberating and it does, it can change your, the outcome of your life. But also, so I like going to the international competitions because you meet other eccentric fellow athletes from around mm. the world and the, it's a very sharing environment most most of the athletes there have got gotten into the sport because they're the type of mentality who's you know they're tr- continuously trying to improve improve themselves and grow and so it's a very sharing environment so you'll say oh but how do you do this or how did you set that record or, you know how much do you train or what do you think about with this and it's so you learn a lot and you come away learning a lot of information it's not too competitive to the point where it's adversarial no, I mean, you know, there's certainly there's a there's a small group of people who have that whole rivalry. Isn't yeah, there, yeah, yeah, but but predominantly, it's a very sort of open sharing environment where mm. everyone's just trying to help each other become the best version of memory that they possibly can. Mm. And and even just down to, you know, different people that we've coached, you know, if someone's coached someone in how to remember computer logic and I have a student coming along that's doing that, I can say, so how did you go about that? You know, what was what were the difficulties they had? What sort of information did they need to learn? Mm. You know, that sort of thing. So it's very, it's very caring, very sharing. And it would seem also that it's capacity to cross disciplines. Mm. Yeah, anyone could get into memory no matter what their interest is. Yeah, whatever area, So it's a yeah. really interesting mm. potential leveller mm. because, again, classical musicians are like you know, uh, you know, ballet dancers. Mm. If the career don't work yeah, and you don't build it. a second career, yeah. you're going down in a screaming heap. Yeah, that's it, in a, in a fiery plane. <laughs> yeah, so there has to be a, a lot of openness to going, okay, tried that, it sort of worked, but it's not – yeah, there's no career beyond 30. Mm, it's mm. what's the next thing? What's yeah, the next right. game? What's the next activity? Mm. And if that's the kind of people that attracts more broadly from other disciplines, that's just an, a nice bunch of, you know, open yeah. to each other humans. Yeah, and there's a lot of kids that go along as well to the international competitions. Cool. And, you know, they sit in their breaks and they play speed cubing or Ruby's Cube or cool. chess yeah. with each other cool, and you're sort cool, of going, cool. oh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> so it's a, it's a great environment. It is. It's, it's a bit nerdy, but it, it's great. Are there many good chess players 
who've gone sideways to memory or memory people who've gone sideways to chess? There are quite a few memory athletes who are heavily into chess. Yeah, I um, can Simon Reinhardt, who's number something high up in the world, three, ten, something, somewhere in that he's range. He's a serious grand champion, I know that much. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's, a, he's a lovely bloke. He's, we're together on a board actually for a memory association, so we deal with each other quite a lot. But I know that he's applied the techniques – for chess and so there's a, you know because you really can sort of go oh this is my hobby this is what what I want you know even like Scrabble you know you can memorise all the mm. seven letter words that start with you know mm. you know whatever you can in fact you can memorise the whole Scrabble dictionary mm. imagine how useful that would be at your local Scrabble game cool. <laughs> well more importantly if you could also remember what they mean so you could use well, them that's true. Yeah, that that's would be it. even cool no absolutely hard I agree Scrabble you, yeah. have, to yeah. you have to use the word in yes. context I like yeah. it so to mm. me that's where chess is such an interesting thing in that you enjoy it initially because you think it's about logic, yeah. mm. but then you realise if you're going to get any better, it's more about memory it than is, logic. Yeah. And that's yeah. the point when I got bored. I was well, it's both. I think yeah. it's both. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's that's what would keep me interested. Yeah. I don't actually yeah. play chess very much, but it's you know, is the fact that it is about memorising information, but then it's also about applying it and, yeah. and yeah. trying to see, you know, trying to see seven steps ahead and what what might happen yeah. and the different outcomes. Whereas I swapped to Viking chess oh. because there's less need to memorise. But it's infinitely more brutal. <laughs> like it's just you know fast games. Every piece moves like a castle. Mm. You're either the attacker or the defender, and there is no such thing as like one game you have to play two because you play one as attacker uh, and one as defender. Mm. Yes. And most people have a, an advantage one way or the other. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that you have to change gear, so so it's more about mental flexibility than right, can right. you remember three hundred different things to do next. Yes, but I think what we're trying to do here today <laughs> is encourage people because you already have an excellent me- memory. Remember, mm. remember. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those of us who are not born as gifted as you. Um, sorry, David. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, just David. saying, don't use chess as a way to get to memory because I think there's better ways. Oh, that's really what no, I'm it's saying. really it's yeah. anything, right? Yeah. It's anything that use it to get you- started and then go. Hang on, I can use memory for this. I can use memory for a lot more useful things. It's it's whatever your passion is. Yeah, it's and just get there faster. It's just more efficient. Yeah. Okay, so mm. some starter techniques. Should I be rereading books? Uh, do you mean memory books? Yeah, no, I just mean Book books. so. Yeah, like if if so, if, let's say I want to remember the contents of a book. So let's say the first book that I read this year was Johan Hari's Lost Connections and I cannot remember the nine different connections. Right. I remember about four. Right, no, but right. that's because there aren't nine. He made it nine to make it seem like it's nine. Yeah, because I, and I remember the essence <laughs> of the book, there's only three. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no problem you can't remember nine. Well, there you go. So I have the essence. You have the essence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so you're saying should you just reread the book? Is that the is that the technique? No, 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 okay. no. So don't reread the book. Just <laughs> so there's some simple blogs I've got. No, okay, yeah. I'm so <laughs> you're allowed to plug yourself. Yeah, like, on, we okay will with that. Yeah. at the end of the episode, all your details can be up and they'll all be in the show notes. Yeah. So feel free to. If there's know, anyone that has the right to plug. Their it's own. you. It's you. <laughs> no, so what, so what you want to do is you just want to take the basic techniques. So mm-hmm. the basic techniques are pretty easy to find to get your head around. Mm-hmm. And then you just want to, you know, if you're not going to do, don't, if you're not inter- in, interested in memory spots, that's cool, no mm-hmm. worries. But what you want to do is you want to start to apply the techniques that the memory athletes use mm-hmm. when you come across your next book. So when you come you'd across- you be ready. Yeah, you're ready. So you've learnt, you've learnt these simple techniques and you start, and then you'll practice them and then you'll get better at them. So the first book- 
you know, you might not have 100% success, but then, you know, you, you'll get better and better at it. So okay. it's like a skill. It's like, yeah. you know, learning yes. anything. So basically what you do is as you go through the book, you'd go, oh, he's talking about these nine points that turn out to be only three. But you would me- you would memorise them using the techniques. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. afterwards you'd see how much your recall had improved. You know, you can remember the name of the book and the name of the author and the key points, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and that's what I do when I read books now too. I sort of go... I definitely want to know. I want to know what the book's called. I want to know who it's written by. I want to know yes. the main characters because there's nothing worse than saying to someone, oh, I've read this really great book and it's about, yeah. well, it's about this person who uh, was in one of those cities somewhere. It was in China. I'm pretty sure it was China. You know, this is you me don't telling <laughs> a story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then no one listens to you and it might be no. a great book that's really yeah. going to help them a lot. Yeah. What you want to do is you want to go, it's this great book. It's called this. The main character is this. It's set in Shanghai and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what, they'll go and they'll buy the book and then yep. you've managed Absolutely. to pass on that. That knowledge you can that make you, it, have. you can make a bigger difference when mm, you're able absolutely. to recall those things in such a way because you more accurately reflect the significance right, of, right. of that yeah. text. Because people, unfortunately, tend to not take you, you not you, people in general, it's seriously when you don't have the facts. And yes. that used to really bug me a lot because I felt like I had, I felt like I had something to share with people, but yes. I couldn't quite get taken seriously if I couldn't spruik the part that I needed. I relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people amount. do. Yeah, yeah, and I will add something to this from my perspective, and that is sure. I don't always have the facts. Remember where the facts can be found. Yes. Right, yeah. So you don't have to remember all the facts in a book, but if you can, again, remember the essence of the facts and what book they came from, just hook those two things together. You mm-hmm. don't need, again, in Johan Hari's book, you don't need the nine chapter titles. No. There's three different you know, ways that lack of connections affect people. It's mm-hmm. lack of connection to other people, lack of connection to meaning, lack of connection to society and environment. Mm-hmm. They're the three broad yeah, things. True. Now, as long as you can remember that, you can line three of the chapter titles up with each of those three things. Mm-hmm. You don't need all nine. That's almost in a sense, that's kind of that Barry Jones pedantic memory. But what you're doing as well is you're naturally linking them together. Yeah. So that's not natural for everyone. So that's something, so just, just to be you clear. Said that's an essence thing. That's yeah. it. So, so what he's just done is he said, oh, it's simple. You just do these three memory <laughs> techniques that people need to learn. So he does, he does them naturally. So just, so just to break that down, you know, you, you go, okay, so these are the main points and you need to link it back to the title so that it's it so that you can find the information because otherwise somewhere in your brain's the yeah, computer file with the information mush. but you can't find which one mm. where did I save this is it in C drive you know yeah, yeah so yeah. unfortunately because our brains are like you know an, more like an octopus rather than an organised filing cabinet mm-hmm. you need to make sure that the right octopus tendril touches onto the right bit of information <laughs> mm, when yes, you need it yeah. yes which okay. is what you were saying it's essentially a memory technique that he's talking about it's mm. interesting can I ask about the implications of something like this for instance and I'm, I'm using this anecdote to, to get to a point I for instance instance, possibly could have studied law or economics or something mm-hmm. like that. I have, let's say, a broad interest, interest in things yeah. like that. Mm. However, decided to do arts and found myself more successful in things where I was required to write essays and not mm-hmm. do exams because mm-hmm. I had always identified myself with a terrible memory and mm. I disliked and probably had a bias toward disliking topics that assessed based on right, exams because yeah, mm-hmm. it's you know to my mind as someone who had a bad memory mm-hmm. i decided mm-hmm. that you know the topics that decided to assess on you know what how you performed yeah in the you wanted to be assessed it, on your intellect rather than you know in a slow sense where you're slow is in yeah. <laughs> you know you can you can spend three time days to write, yeah, yeah writing it out and thinking about it rather than you know this load and dump I, kind of how much can i wrote learn and exactly. then spew out onto the page absolutely so i really despised mm. that but the way that you're talking about memory makes me really optimistic about those kinds of subjects mm. and I think like the implications of learning about memory the way that y- you do and teach 
would change, I think, a lot of the schooling system. For instance, the problems that we have with things like NAPLAN and, mm. and school exams that mm. you know make you know, put smart people through a, a system that isn't built for everyone. Right, right. People, I think, can actually adapt to that and yeah. mm. make and what, the most of it. What it does as well is it perpetuates the the feeling that oh, I'm dumb. Because yeah. I because I can't do this exam, you know. There's a there's a whole heap of people out there who think they're not smart because they don't do well at exams, or because they, you know, they think they're not the exam sort of person. Which is, you know, that's part of our education system, obviously, you know. And to a certain extent, it's, you know, perhaps necessary. You know, we need to test that people have a certain level of learning. But the nice thing is, is that you can be able to do both. So you can mm-hmm. you can you know retain all that information and spew it back onto the page. But you can actually also retain it for mm-hmm. the long term, which is isn't that the point of education? You know, we want to actually learn something rather than just going. I'm just going to learn this for Friday, and then I intend to, you know, go to the pub and forget it all forever. Yes. Uh, oh, now I'm operating on yeah. someone's brain. What's that little thing there called? Yeah. You know, no, we need to be able to remember the information. It's an interesting True. thing in like medieval universities. There was always a rhetoric department. Mm. And I wonder, you know, if in the period when books were so rare and had to be hand copied, if rhetoric departments in the medieval early Renaissance period were still teaching how to memorise and how to analyse as two different things so people could work on them independently and not feel they had a deficit in one. Yeah, well, it the, might have actually been a better system, I the wonder. The scholars, I mean, the people who, you know, it was their job to record books, you know, they were the mm. walking libraries, mm. they used these same techniques. It's interesting, you know, it's just that they were the educated few. So, yeah, I, I imagine that that was the standard way learned people were taught to memorise back then. Mm, so you would have you had an analytical class mm. and a how to memorise right, class. Right. And you would have seen, I put these two things together once I'm reasonably good at both. Mm, imagine, right. But at the very least, how about yeah. I learn to remember it now so when I've got the analytics later, I can then mm. do gymnastics with it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe yeah. what we need to do is recognise that so many things we seem to just conflate, here's facts and you will learn them. no. Two different things. Mm. Here's facts and here's how to learn them. Mm. And that's, it's interesting because I'm often saying it to, um, to university students who I teach. I'm often, you know, they learn these techniques and then they get super excited because suddenly they can memorise a whole heap of information for an exam the next day, like late night cramming and get, you know, 98%. They're really excited. And then I'm like, no, hang on, just wait a second here though. Because you, if you just use these techniques and you don't try and think about the information critically, you're really doing yourself a disservice. You want to you want to be memorising the information, but you want to also be critically thinking about it as you place it in a memory palace or use the techniques to memorise it. You want to go, do I actually understand what this means mm. and can I look at this from a different angle as well and can I attach another image to this to add to that deeper understanding or learning that I've just read about in this extra piece of information. So it's about combining the two. You know, one mm. is just memorisation and one is analytical, but combining the two together, you're obviously going to have the most powerful sort of brain that you possibly can. Anastasia, do you like mm. fantasy novels? Like, uh, do you read fantasy for fun? Or are you always lo- like learning, learning, uh, reading? Yeah, I'm, do you know, I like, no, I'm not a big fantasy. It's interesting because I'm, you know, obviously I'm an artist and I still do, I still do a lot of contemporary dance and teach contemporary dance okay. books. So, you know, I'm an artist by heart and I'm certainly creative, but I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not big into fantasy novels. I'm more like, I like to feel like I'm learning something. So I like, it can be a novel, but I like it when it's steeped in history okay. or I'm accidentally – I like accidentally learning. Yes, okay. I feel It's the just same. there's a, a, an interesting uh, set of books by Miles Cameron called the Traitor Sun series. Mm-hmm. And the Red Knight, the central character, he has the most incredible 
memory palace, All right. which is how he memorizes spells and how to use magic. But the wonderful thing is he's kind of combining in it memorizing and analytical skill mm-hmm. because things are there, but he doesn't know how to use them. Mm-hmm. So as he learns to use what goes in the memory palace, then he doesn't just have a memory of the thing. He has a memory of what to do with it, how to connect it to other things. Mm-hmm. So there's this really deep understanding that Miles Cameron got in this somehow of how you both learn the bits you have to remember and learn to use them and then learn to improvise on what you know to right, create yeah. new things. Yep. So it's like these three steps of remember the things learn to use critical thought Thinking, yeah. and then mm. take a conceptual leap to create a new way of understanding or mm. you know using the world and it's just interesting i don't think i've ever read as good an explanation in philosophy or psychology mm. as i've read by an ex us navy rear seat in the 14 <laughs> medieval reenactor who now writes you know hardcore medieval Sounds fantasy right. with magic <laughs> and, and yeah it, it's kind of most people will probably never read it because it's well, fantasy in, in your articulate nature i think you've you've just you've just Some swung job a having few to read of us it. over yeah <laughs> True. And for Tim, you can get it as an audio book and it's read by this <laughs> amazing guy, uh, Matthew Wolfe, who definitely with that voice should have been the next James Bond. <laughs> I feel very much the same way. The The only fictional fiction novel that I've ever really enjoyed, uh, 1984 by George Orwell. Yeah, that's a garbage. I have, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Incidental learning yeah, yeah. through that. You know, yeah. I did that in year 12 as mm. like an individual study. And uh, have you seen the film Memento? Yeah, it's no. an amazing film. Yeah, okay. Memento. Memento. Okay. It's about a Guy gentleman. He's got an Oscar for it. Yeah, he got anterograde amnesia. Mm-hmm. And so his character gets anterograde amnesia and then he seeks vengeance for what happened to his wife. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, he's making, he has to make, he can't make new memories, but he has old memories. And so he remembers his wife getting raped and killed and oh, then right. has to like find the person who did mm-hmm. it, but he can't make new memories. Is that and Leonardo so, DiCaprio? No. Uh, Guy Pierce. Okay. Guy Pierce, yeah. yeah. Anyway. there's Most amazing role. <laughs> there's, he has this, yeah, it's, it's incredible film. He has this system where he instead, like, cause he can't make new memories, he tattoos things. And he writes everything oh, yeah, right. on his body. Yeah. Yeah. And in very much that style, I have blue circles on my, <laughs> Knuckles as George as George Orwell, Eric Arthur oh. Blair. He supposedly got blue circles tattooed oh. tattooed on his knuckles. This is according to Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> they're meant to ward off snakes, and it was his time as a policeman. So, <laughs> as in a very memento style, that's what I've done yeah. to myself. I've externalized my memories onto my hands. But, <laughs> yeah, but surely that's what tattoos must have been in multiple cultures. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just like writing things on a wall, but yeah, you can, that's right. But more better, you take it with you. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> I think, yeah, there's there's something about fiction that, for me, I think it has to have that incidental incidental, learning. Mm. Incidental learning. Um, there was another question I was going to ask you, and incidentally, I've forgotten. <laughs> How apt. <laughs> it's going to come back yeah, to you. Yeah, I'm sure David has another point. <laughs> no, it's just all so interesting, you know. Well, I suppose the next logical question is, you know, Anastasia, what really important question haven't we asked? Hmm. Hmm. Because that's always a good one. Thinking. Once I've just gone on zig and zag and zag and zig and zig and zag and mm. taken us somewhere that had really very little to do with the topic. If I can get to the red knight, really, we've gone well, a long way from home. A lot of, a lot of people, always, they ask me, okay, so I, I'm convinced I should probably try and exercise my yes. brain and, you know, go to the mental gym. But how much time do I actually have to spend? And the answer is, well, <sighs> <laughs> the answer is it depends how fast you want your brain to get. So if you can do just a very little bit and you'll get massive improvements. But if you want to do a lot, then you can get 
um, you know, you can get some – did I say that the right way around? You can get some fantastic improvements, right? Yeah, I It sounded right until you questioned it. I, yeah, well, it was it was your expressions. It was you. Yeah. you, it was you me can't trying to remember them, what you said. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you remember what you were talking about? Um, no, so I think it's I, <laughs> I think it's that people kind of go, ah, oh, it sounds great, but I think that it sounds like too much work, mm. and I'm not going to give it a go. But you kind of have to look at it as though it's the same as. If you never did any exercise at all, then mm. you'd have a you know you'd have a body everything that, will atrophy. Yeah, and, and you'd have a body that wouldn't be able to do very much. Yep. Whereas if you took the stairs instead of the elevator sometimes, or walked up and down a street, then you slowly you know you're going to be a little bit fitter. Or if you wanted to be an Olympic athlete, then you'd obviously train mm. all day. And so there's a, there's an, a there's a range of fitness in your memory, and you can take it to all different levels. But I would encourage I would encourage anyone who loves learning to not be the Mental slob that sits on the, the couch. No mental potato chips no for mental our listeners. No mental potato chips, no. No, so at least, you know, at least give it a little bit of a workout and at least try, try to exercise your memory a little bit. Based on how fast you learnt all these techniques, have you found there's a point of diminishing return on how far you can push memory th- development? Yeah, I think so. But I think that some of those blocks are psychological. Yeah, it's so, just you don't know how to do the next step. Yeah, once or you, work it you out. just think you can't. So a okay. good example is, you know, there'll be a certain world record in, say, speed cards. You know, maybe it's fifteen seconds is the quickest that someone can remember a deck of cards. Which is and crazy. then, well, no, it's faster than that now. Wow. But my point is, is for years and years that will be the record, yeah. and then one year someone will break it, and then within two months, you know, twenty people have yeah. broken it. And the reason is, is you kind of just don't think it's possible. And then once someone's done it, you go, well, maybe I can do that, you know. And if you're near to that speed, then you push yourself further. So there's definitely a plateau moment. I mean, mm-hmm. in cards in particular, you know, there's a physical block you're as just to how seeing quickly and recognizing. Well, how you quickly can actually shift them through your hands. I've yeah. tested how quickly I can do it without even trying to memorize it. And I only just get it to the world record if, even without trying to memorize. Wow, just by the rate you by can shuffle. By the rate them. I can shuffle. You know, I can't God. I can't actually memorize them that fast, but I was checking, can I actually even get to the world record if it's I train my dexterity. brain? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. So at some point, you know, there is a there is a point at which, you know, that's it, I think, you know, it, and cards, definitely cards are nearly there for the world record. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, and it's like with anything, you know, with training, when you when you first start to train, you know, that's when you get the maximum sort of, you yeah. get the maximum increase. Mm. And so that's where, you know, you'd want, I'd want everyday average Australian to go out and sort of make their brain a little bit sharper because mm-hmm. you, that's where you're going to get the most yeah, returns. Yeah, big gain for many minutes. Gain, yeah, big yeah. gain for not that much work, yeah. 20 minutes a couple of times yeah. a week. But then, yeah, if you want to get more serious after that, then you're looking at sort of I want to do eight hours a week, you know. So there yep. is quite a big jump between yeah. like amateur fit and, you know, competition fit. Yeah. Well, mm. that segues quite well into the question I forgot and have now remembered, <laughs> which well is you. what – physical constraints do you put onto your body? Like I've noticed that you're consuming caffeine at the moment. Mm-hmm. And like, do you avoid drugs and alcohol? Do you, I, I know you have a specific diet. Does it have anything to do with your memory? Uh, yeah. So obviously eating healthily is going to affect both your body and your mind, right? Yes. We all know that. And same with alcohol and sleep and all those mm-hmm. things that we're taught. When you're training in mental athletics and I record my scores in Excel because because I'm a geek, but also because I want to see, I want to be able to plot and see improvement. Mm-hmm. So when you train every day and you think, oh my gosh, I'm not getting better. I'm like, Why am I doing this? I'm not even improving. That's that's because I've got to that plateau point. Mm-hmm. But if I plot it in 
you know, if I plot the data, I can see that it's still going up. I've mm-hmm. forgotten what your question was. <gasps> oh, it was more, um, do you have any <laughs> diet constraints? No, yeah. yeah. Good point. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, but what I did notice with these Excel scores is if I have a glass of wine, the next day my scores do go down. Really? Yeah. Now it's marginal and I wondered for a while whether it was a placebo effect. So yeah. I started to just record it just, you know, for over months and months and months so that I couldn't Possibly, you know. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it does seem to affect, my, especially my number scores, how many numbers I can remember in five minutes. Wow. Will drop by, you know, it's five to 10%. And because you're really, you know, you're really pushing your brain to the max, you can see that marginal drop. Whereas, you know, if I was just sort of going about my daily business in the office, I probably wouldn't notice it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's going to be my argument is my beer or glass of wine a day is so much yeah the cane still works i can still give a lecture because yeah. <laughs> yeah, so i'm not I mean, asking for anything above that if well I did, it depends what you're I, trying to do yeah, right so yeah. and, and if that's, i needed more then i'd have to do something about getting more and i think that's yeah. the point so that doesn't mean that i never have a glass of wine i'll go yeah. and enjoy myself of course i do mm-hmm. potentially why i forgot that question that you asked me just before but it's you know it's about a balance so it's about you know you don't have to go and become this freak who if you if you want to be a, have a fit body, you don't need to become this freak who never, ever, ever eats anything unhealthy or never drinks a glass of wine. Yeah. But it's it's a balance. Yes. You know, so yeah, it's don't weird. become a lobster is the lesson. Yeah, don't don't become a lobster. <laughs> You're not familiar with that? Um, is that Adelaide terminology? No, it's a standard army terminology for oh. a body full of muscle and head full of shit. Do you know that one as well? I thought no. it was a Jordan Peterson reference. No, no, no. No, that's not Jordan's. <laughs> Now, d- d- while on this sort of thing of, of drugs, a uh, really interesting book, uh, Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel, mm-hmm. where it's looking at how much performance in extreme sport has taken off since the mid to late 90s mm-hmm. as they've got better training techniques. Mm-hmm. And the point they're making in the book is you can just you know train be it, you know, better. And really Anders Ericsson is probably the best person on this on what you need to train better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you need a body of existing literature, a mentor and a process program. Mm-hmm. If you've got those three things, you're automatically going to do better. Mm-hmm. You know, you can also work out how to break things down a little bit. Visualization is massively important. And of course, talking about in terms of mental representation, not just visualization, mm-hmm. tapping back into our earlier conversation that you have to get beyond seeing it to actually sensing mm-hmm. it as broadly as possible. Mm-hmm. But the other big thing that is really knocking performance out of the park, and the weird thing is that, you know, potentially even elite military forces are looking at this, is microdosing on things like LSD and MDMA. Mm-hmm. Are you guys getting drug tested yet in memory? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because well, wouldn't everything well, be terrible? Like, well, no, based no. on what micro okay. LSD and MDMA are doing right. to brains, it's going to be the exact opposite. But they're not going to test for marijuana because that clearly has... No, that's going well, to be... Yeah, yeah. Gonna they're be going to be yeah. looking at performance enhancing performance of micro dose yes. yeah. of MDMA yeah. or yeah. LSD or... Interesting. It's still quite an obscure sport. Okay. Yeah. So, so the great thing is you haven't got to the point yet where no. you, know, you have to have... No, I mean, it's there. definitely growing in popularity, and you know, there's more, there's more and more out there. There's a Netflix movie about it now, and you know, there's there's plenty. Ooh, of, what's that called? Uh, uh, it's explained, isn't it? Oh, is that, I, I actually I, haven't seen. I it. think Someone it's, I think it's, I think it's a TV series, and oh, okay. it's called. And I actually think I you would that, like it, David. Well, that's why again, because Netflix has lots of audio descriptions, yeah. so it's like turns it into a radio play. Mm. So I'm a much happier camper. But but you know, the more popular that memory sports become, then obviously that sort of thing is going to come into it. Okay. You know, once it, it gets mm-hmm. that next level up of. You know, like when I was in, when I was on Survivor Australia this year, you know, they were talking about I was on the on the champions team as a memory champion, and it was like, 
how do we get the audience to understand what what is a memory champion? Because it's this weird sport that people go, there's a sport for that. Is that like shuffling memory cards around and you go snap or something? So it's about it's about them understanding what that actually even is, you know. So, yeah, no, we don't have that yet. Okay, interesting. Mm. But we'll live in hope because I'll be fascinated to see, you know, mm. at some point I imagine that there's not just the, the physical limitation mm. of the hands with cards. Mm. Oh, no, there's no, also, yeah, yeah, of there's course. There's also yeah. the conscious thing mm. of how fast your conscious brain can identify the card, whereas the unconscious brain probably picks it up even faster. But I, I, do you know, I think, that, I think that that limit's pretty high because when you're training a lot, you know, you get to a point where – What's a good example? You get to a point where, you know, you've just memorised, say, 200 numbers mm-hmm. and the you can see you've got three seconds to go. There's three seconds left and then that's it. It's time for recall. And when you've been doing a lot of training, you can sometimes look at the next line and, that's it. you know, that's like 20 digits, 20, 40, you know, half a line, like 20, mm. 20 or 40 digits uh, numbers and then the buzzer goes off and you write down all the numbers that you've memorised and then you go, actually – I can add the next bit. I think I, I think I know what the next ones are. And then sometimes you write 20 or 40 numbers that you've just yeah. looked at and you managed to remember them. And I definitely couldn't do that before I did memory training. Yeah. So so at some point, you know, you are training your brain to, you know, almost take The unconscious photo. is getting more involved in a way that you can – Yeah, you know, David if you Ligerman, could utilise it. Yeah, David Ligerman mm. talks in terms of burning things down into your unconscious. Mm. You get to the point where you can give the unconscious executive orders mm. and the unconscious rather than going, piss off, I'm unconscious, I do what I like and I tell you. Yeah. You can start getting the unconscious on side and give it those executive commands of just in a millisecond grab that line mm. and it will start giving you those kind of but things. But it's almost like the, the moment work. you believe it, you know, the, the, and that's the yeah. same as that record thing that I was talking about. You know, the moment someone breaks the record, then lots of people do. Yeah. And so with my training, what I want to do next year is I want to start trying to explore that a little bit more and just, just being open to the idea of, oh, maybe I can remember a little bit faster than I yeah. thought I could and just give it a go because – it seems to work. Yeah. We've not found yeah. that upper limit of how much someone no. can remember. No, that's well, the records are still broken every year in these yeah. competitions. That is fantastic. So, that is mm. incredible. Uh, the, mm. Our potential to be more intelligent than we are now is still great, even though we're in this you know, 21st mm. century and we all have these crazy technological advances and we feel like we're at the peak of humanity. There is still so much farther that we can go. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that's, again, why I loved sort of stealing fire and thought of bringing it up. Yeah. Because everything we're talking about today with Anastasia taps into Jamie Wheel and Stephen Coatler just going, whoa. Yeah. You know, people just keep going, yeah, that's boring. Let's go further. Mm. And, you know, one of the greatest examples in the book is a skateboard trick that in 1998 only one person can do. Yeah. And now it's done by nine-year-olds and they've, yeah. they've tripled the complexity. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. In 20 years. It's yeah. like, whoa. Yeah, what's possible? Awesome. Mm. With that said, uh, Anastasia, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to know about what you're up to, uh, where they can find maybe more of your talks or what or training, training programs they yeah. could do that you? Um, yeah, so I've got I've got blogs on my website, obviously, mm-hmm. where people can learn the techniques and you know all of the memory athletes. You know, if if you're interested in, and you want to find free resources, all of the memory athletes around the world, you know, a lot a lot of the top ones have blogs or they have mm-hmm. videos that you can follow. I have a course if people want to have a more structured approach that they can do that I've recently made. But yeah, the, the information's out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of books and a lot of mm-hmm. places where they can find the information, and it's well worth doing. 
we'll put mm. that link in the show description as well for your website. Oh, thank you. Yeah, oh, that's cool. And thanks very much for having me. It's lovely to talk to you too. Oh, it's it's a load of fun. <laughs> it's if, you, if you go to an international conference, <laughs> even if you don't come back to Adelaide, you know, let's do another episode where you tell us about going to the international competition. Mm. Oh, definitely. No, I, I think you should come to one. I, I think that well, we need a sponsor. Yeah, well, I was just about to say we just there, need to find us if yeah. there's a sponsor out, out there. there. It's exciting. Yeah. Netflix has done it. Tim and true, Dave true. road trip. <laughs> true. We could do it for Netflix. Yeah, they're going to move into the podcast. It'd be so good. I could just hook a GoPro to my sunglasses and walk around filming everything. Be oh, awesome. That would be great. Yes. That's a good idea. Dave's eating lunch. He can't see it, but you can. <laughs> Some memory audiobook company. <laughs> yes, Audible. Hint. Yeah, Send yeah, us on yeah. a road trip. Yeah. Oh, I could train you up. You could compete in <gasps> Yes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. And that um, way, I don't have to talk like Yoda. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Well, yes. Thank you very much again, Asa- Anastasia, for, for joining us. And thank you, David, for uh, all of your contributions as well. I'm feeling inspired, I think. Yeah, this, it's, this been, is good. it's been lovely to sit at this table. Good. So. Thank you, Anastasia, thank you. and thank you, listeners. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and like our Facebook page. Search for Blind Insights with David Olney. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out.